I want to begin this morning uh, by reading the account in John chapter 2. If you've got a Bible, you can go there. Not on the screens just yet. And it's the first miracle that's recorded by Jesus. John chapter 2. And it, it says this, verse 1 of John 2. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, uh-oh. Jesus' mother said to him, said to Jesus, they have no more wine. Verse 4, Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? In other words, mom. And Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And so they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, but the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best to last. And that, that is an amazing account. It's an incredible story. As I said, the first miracle recorded of Jesus. It's a strange one, turning water into wine. I don't know if anyone has seen the TV series, The Chosen. There's a whole episode dedicated to that passage. I recommend watching, watching it if you haven't seen it before. But, but what I want to do this morning is just pull out one verse from this account that we've just read and talk about it for a little bit. It's a verse that can be so easily skipped over. In fact, I've not actually taken any notice of this until, until recently, but it's one that is worthy of some reflection. Thank you, Mark. It's in verse 5. And coincidentally, it's five words that Mary says to the wedding, wedding servants concerning the instructions that Jesus is about to give to them. And it's this, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And, and that statement right there sums, sums up so well the objective of the spirit-led life or the life of a Christ follower to do whatever he tells you amen it, it, it says so much it's a it's a statement about obedience it's a statement uh, about trust it's a statement about faith about hearing his voice there's so much in these five small words i just want to camp around it for a little bit today because recognizing the voice of god recognizing his voice as he speaks to us is such an integral part of our faith and then doing whatever he tells you to do is perhaps even more important but you've got to know you have to know that he wants to speak 
that he wants to tell us things, that he wants to speak to you. He wants to be involved in our lives, leading and and guiding us and speaking to us. How many know that God is relational, right? He's a relational God. Jesus died on the cross, not just to forgive us of our sins, but ultimately to bring us into relationship with him. And that will involve communicating. God speaking to us as we speak to him. Has anyone here ever heard what they believe was the audible voice of God before anyone? A few of you. Wow. There's more than more than a few. I've never uh, had that experience before, but I know many have if in moments and times or maybe just a, a kind of a one-off thing where you, you hear God's, God's voice. It reminds me of a, a joke I heard, uh, and I hope this doesn't uh, break the anointing, but <laughs> there was this guy and he really wanted to try ice fishing. And so he, he went out and he began to cut a hole in, in the ice. And suddenly there was this audible voice, a loud voice that said, there is no fish under the ice. He was amazed that he'd heard this voice. And so he thought maybe, maybe it was, it was God. And so he, he moved on to another spot nearby and he began to drill another hole when that same, same voice came back there, there is no fish under the ice. And so finally that the guy looks up and he says, is that, is that you, God? And the voice replies back, no, it's the ice rink manager. <laughs> but God, God does speak. He, he speaks, not always audible, but he speaks in, a, in, in to us a, a variety of different ways because, because for most of us, it's not an audible voice, but he, he uses his word to speak to us, Right. He speaks to us from the pages of Scripture, a passage, things that we've memorized. He brings them back to our, our remembrance, drops them into our heart. He'll, he'll speak to us through circumstance, good or bad. He'll, he'll use things around us to, to get our attention. He'll, he'll use other people to speak to us. Husbands, have you come to the conclusion yet that often it's our wives that are the voice of God? Right? If you haven't. If you haven't, learn that fast. But he'll, he'll use others. He'll use things like the pr- prophecy and, and, and uh, words of wisdom. He'll speak to us through dreams and, and visions and, and impressions. And, and then there is that internal voice of the Holy Spirit who comes and, and whispers uh, and, and speaks to us internally. And that's the, that's the voice I want to I talk a little bit about this morning. I want to focus on because it's that voice that we need to develop in, in our lives. I believe God is often speaking and I think that he's more determined and excited to speak to us than we are to often hear from him. But in order for us to do whatever he tells us to do, we've got to understand just a few things. Number one, number one is that not everything we hear is his voice. Not everything that we hear with our ears, whether it's internally or otherwise, is actually the voice of God. I think, think about the line, God told me to do it. How many times has that been used for things that 
were not godly at all. I think it's the classic insanity defense for a lot of really disturbed people. God told me to do it. But it's often, you know, it's believers who end up doing stupid things under the guise of God told me because they've not realized actually there's a bunch of other voices that sound a lot like the voice of God. In 1 John 4 verse 1, it says, Beloved, speaking to the church, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And so we can see here that we need to test all of the voices that we hear. John makes it clear that we are the beloved and we're able to hear from voices other than the Holy Spirit. In fact, there are a whole lot of other voices uh, competing for the attention of our ears. First of all, there's the voice of the world. And the voice or the noise of the world can often speak the loudest to us and it can cause us huge amounts of distraction. For some of us, the noise or the voice of the world is a very distracting voice that we as believers have to turn down. We have to turn down the voice of the world if we really want to hear that internal voice of God. And the way we do that is looking at what we give our attention to or what we give our ear to. Listen, the more uh, consumed or the more con concerned that we are with earthly things, it will become more and more difficult to hear his voice. The more we're consumed and thinking about different, what should I wear and fashion and culture and all, all of that, the, the more we are consumed with that noise and those voices, the harder it's going to become to hear the voice of God. And as we live in this ever-increasing secular culture, we have to be more and more intentional about engaging the culture of the kingdom. I've said before, if we, if we won't pick up this book, if we will not open it and, and meditate on it and spend time in his presence, how will you know what he has to say? If we spend all of our time in the world listening and being concerned and consumed by that and not by this, you will not hear the voice of God. It is so important that we have moments like we've had today where we become attuned to the presence of God and hear that voice speaking and whispering and wooing us closer to him. Because what you give your ear to will speak the loudest. The book of Revelation says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says. If you've got an ear, then let, let you hear what the Spirit is saying. And God is speaking. He is always speaking. He's saying something. So there's the voice of the world. There's also the voice of the enemy. These are voices that us as believers can hear, the voice of the enemy. You've got to remember, and we don't talk about the enemy much, but he is stealthy. And no Christian, no Christ follower is going to give the devil the time of day if he were just to make himself obvious, however that might be. But the Bible tells us that instead, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. 
All right, you got to be you got to be wary of of this. And we can too easily fall for his lies and believe what he says because it sounds like it's God speaking, but it's not. It's the voice of the enemy. And his words often sound like like hopeless things like like, oh, man, this is real bad. This is this situation is hopeless. Has anyone felt or heard those thoughts before? Man, I, I have. I'm telling you what, it's not, it's not God. You blew it last time and you're going to blow it again, right? You're no good. You're, you're too stupid. You're, you're too shy, too ugly, too short. I don't know, whatever it might be. Fill in the blank for you. No one cares about you. Give up. Run away. Leave. You're a failure. These are words that we hear. And I've found as a little Quick check, if it causes condemnation, it's probably not the voice of God. Right? If it causes discouragement, if it causes confusion, if it's accusing, it's likely the voice of the enemy. And we have to shut that down and start listening to another voice. The devil will try and rob also what God has spoken to you. That's his modus operandi. He will, he will try and infiltrate and, and distract you or try and pull those words that God has spoken out of your life and cause you to question what God has said. In the parable of the sower, it'll come up on the screen in just a second in Mark 4. Jesus explains that often when God speaks to us, the enemy kind of comes along and he tries to convince us that we didn't hear God clearly or that wasn't at all the voice of God. He says this in verse 14 of Mark 4, the farmer sows the word, the father in this parable. Some people are like seed along the path where that word is sown. Look, as soon as they hear it, As soon as they hear the word spoken by the Father, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And so we've got to know how he operates and be alert. There is the voice of the enemy that we will hear from time to time. And don't allow him to rob you of what what God has spoken. And then there is the voice of God. There is his voice. There is his sweet leading and his, his voice, which is my second point, is you need to, we have to become familiar with the voice of God. We've got to become familiar with his voice. In John 10, 27, Jesus makes the statement on the screen. He says, my sheep, how many are sheep? It's, it's me. I'm a sheep for Jesus. My sheep listen to my voice. My sheep, Jesus says, listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me and they follow me. I I want to tell you, guys, it it takes practice and testing to recognize, to discern, to become familiar to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It does take all of those things to recognize, man, that's, that's his voice speaking. But we've got to listen out for it, listen to his leading, his whisper, his prompting. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, we read the account of a young Samuel. It doesn't exactly say how old he was. Samuel, Samuel who would later grow up and become the great prophet to Israel. One night under the tutorage of his mentor, Eli, 
It says that Samuel was asleep when he heard someone call his name. From verse 4 of 1 Samuel 3 on the screen, it says, Then the Lord, the Lord called Samuel. God speaks to Samuel and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, wasn't me. <laughs> go back. Go back to sleep. Go lie down. And so he went to lie down. Verse 6, again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, Here I am. <laughs> you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not say anything. Go back and lie down. Jump over to verse, verse 8. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. <laughs> you called me. And then Eli realized, wait a second. I know what's going on here. That's God speaking to you. It's him calling out to you. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down. And when you hear that voice again, now you will know that it's the voice of God. When he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And then the Lord came and stood there calling as the other times. And then Samuel, Samuel, then Samuel said, speak. For your servant is listening. In other words, Samuel's like, oh, now I recognize his voice. Now I understand. Now I hear. Now I understand what your voice sounds like. And it takes time and it takes discernment. It may take like this little example, hindsight to realize that what you heard was the whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking. Oh, wow. Now it makes, you know what? He was speaking. I recognize that voice now, but I didn't realize it at the time. It was his gentle whisper. His voice calling, leading and speaking. We come to recognize that voice above every other voice. All other voices, the voices of the world, voices of the enemy, until his voice is familiar and we can recognize it when he speaks. I know that voice. I know that that is him. And when he does speak, we know within confidence that it's him so that, number three, we can follow his prompting. We can do whatever he tells us. We can have confidence that it's him speaking. I heard the story of a guy uh, sitting in church one morning. I've heard this from a couple of people. And it's in the middle of the notices. Everyone's seated, seated, seating down. Seated, everyone is sitting down. English is like my second language now. And, uh, <laughs> and in the middle of the notices, he hears the voice of God. He hears the whisper of the Holy Spirit say to him, get up and do, do a cartwheel down the aisle to the front of the stage right now. Get up and do a cartwheel. And he's like, whoa. And so... He may, may have gone through these points. Is that condemning? Is it discouraging? Nope. Must be the voice of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so he gets up and he randomly does cartwheels up the aisle, much, I imagine, to everyone's surprise around him. What is going on? 
and he has no idea why, just total obedience to the recognized prompting of the Holy Spirit. And what he later learned was on the other side of the church that day, sitting at the back, was a man visiting for the very first time who was away from God and wondering if God was real and did he actually even care. And he had said to himself, or said to God, if you're out there, God, in an act of desperation, if you are real, you're going to have to show yourself to me. Someone would have to do a cartwheel up the front of this church for me to believe in you. And then a few moments later, this guy gets up. Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But it's a life led by His Spirit. And if we want to be led by the Spirit of God, we must come to recognize the Spirit's whispers and voice speaking to us, telling us things, talking to us. It's an adventure where we are ready to be used by Him and do whatever He tells you. And when we get to know that voice, we know Whatever he tells me to do, it's got to be good for me or good for someone else. Why don't the band, the band come back? I've had uh, many occasions throughout my, my Christian life where I have felt his prompting, where I have learned to recognize the voice of God or the whisper of the Holy Spirit. I've heard that still small voice and eventually I have learned to follow through with it. It might be just to pick up the phone and ring someone who turns out at that very moment was unbeknown to me right in the middle of a terrible crisis and needed somebody to call them. That might have happened a couple of times. I was once uh, in our church, uh, original church back on the Cavity Coast, standing at the back of our service after church when I felt the Holy Spirit highlight someone to me uh, out at the front, an older gentleman, and I felt the Lord say, see the woman on the other side of the room, he's going to marry her. And they, they did not know each other. I don't know if they'd ever met before. And I thought, that is the most randomest thought that I've ever heard. But I thought, but it's a familiar voice. What's going on? Well, actually, I was in charge of the small groups at that church. So I thought, well, I'm going to steward this. I intentionally put... The two of them in the same small group, nothing more. I just did that. But going, God, if you've said this, then let's just see. Well, about two years later, they got married. And that was about 15 or 16 years ago. Happily married, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure they are. And just, but but I just, God, you told me that. So clear that I, on the way home, I told Caroline, you wouldn't believe what I heard. I think I heard the Holy Spirit say. Listen to his voice. Listen to his prompting. I've shared this story before. When we first came to Nelson, for the first two and a half years, we lived uh, halfway down a rural road where there was no uh, houses. We lived in a schoolhouse. And further down that road, nobody lived. Maybe one farmhouse came to a dead end. And most mornings for those two years, I had this routine of walking up the hill behind our house in Stoke to a water tower to pray. It's still there. That track is still there. And, and I had a great view of Stoke and the sea. I'd spent a few minutes just praying. One particular morning, I remember it clearly, 
John Steele, who many of you will know, was speaking that Sunday morning. So I'd set my alarm extra early to get up to go and pray. And as I was leaving the house to go up to this familiar pastor pathway, a way I'd gone a hundred times before, I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. And I recognized that nudging to take a different path today and to walk away from my usual spot and for the first time in nearly two years, and I'd done this probably 30 or 40 times, instead I walked up out the driveway and down Marsden Valley Road. And I wasn't quite sure why I was walking this way for a change, but I was just following the prompting of God until I came to a group of trees. And there, just a few meters off the road, hidden by any passing traffic, and there's a photo of this, what's there, was this badly damaged car lying on its on its roof and I just assumed that it was abandoned I'd never been this way before uh, it looked pretty bad to me and and I kept on walking past it until I heard a voice from inside this car call out to me help help it was that fortunately they didn't have a phone but <laughs> long story short during the night, this car and four of its passengers had left the road at high speed, driven straight into a tree, and, and uh, three of the passengers tragically lost their lives. But there was one teenager sitting in the back, severely injured, bleeding out, coming in and out of consciousness. And he later said, if, if, if someone hadn't walked past then, I don't think he'd be alive. And... and he ended up having a broken femur and a, a serious injury to his head. But he says that he heard me call out to him, "Is are you okay? And I said to him, I said nothing. I didn't even know there was anyone in there. I explained to him how that morning, for the, some reason, I'd gone a different way. And because of that, we met. And he's alive today. The paramedic later suggested it was lucky someone had came across the accident because no one else lived down that way. But listen, it's because we become familiar with his voice that we hear his whispers. We hear his prompting. We hear his leading. You can take that, that slide off. Because when you know the voice of God, when you know that that voice that you've come to recognize and be familiar with is 100% trustworthy, you can be up for anything and you can do exactly whatever he tells you to say. Would you stand with me this morning? Yeah, Father, we thank you. Thank you that you speak. That your words, God, are not just contained within the words of this book, but Holy Spirit, never contradicting, often confirming and speaking from us. But today, you're still speaking, you're still wooing, still calling out our name, still leading us, still wanting to take us places still wanting to intervene when necessary.